but starting in verse 25 of chapter 30. As soon as Rachel had borne Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away, that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages, and I will give it. Jacob said to him, You yourself know how I have served you, and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, What shall I give you? Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the, go- uh, among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. Laban said, good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, everyone that had white on it and every lamb that was black and put them in charge of his sons. Put them in the charge of his sons. Uh, And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in, in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is, the watering places, where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks, and so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants, and camels and donkeys. Verse 1. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's he has gained all this wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his, where his flock was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted, and if he said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped, thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, And I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see. All the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. 
So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all the livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Padan Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her father's household gods, and Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he intended to flee. He fled with all he had and arose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and trick me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs, with tambourine and lyre? And why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters farewell? Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And now you have gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid. For I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. Anyone with whom you find your God shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what I have that is yours and take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and Leah's tent and into the tents of the two female servants, but he did not find them. And he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. Laban felt all about the tent, but he did not find them. And she said to her father, Let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the way of women is upon me. So he searched, but did not find the household gods. Then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, What is my offense? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? For you have felt through all of my goods. What, you have found, uh, what have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen, that they may decide between us two. These twenty years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, and I have not eaten the rams of your, of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. From my hand you required it, whether stolen by day or by night. There I was, by day the heat consumed me, and cold by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house. I have served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flock. Uh, uh, and you have changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day for these my daughters or for their children whom they have borne? Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his kinsmen, Gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap. And there they ate by the heap. Laban called it Jigar Sahadatha, but Jacob called it Galid. Uh, Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me today. Therefore he named it Galid and Mizpah. For he said, The Lord watch between you and me when we are out of one another's sight. If you oppress my daughters, or if you take wives besides my daughters, Although no one is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, See this heap and the pillar which I have set between you and me, 
this heap is a witness and the pillar is a witness that I will not pass over this heap to you and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do, me, to do harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac and Jacob offered a sacrifice in the hill country and called his kinsmen to eat bread. They ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. Early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned home. Let's pray. God, we know and we just read a whole lot of your word, um, but would you make it make sense in our hearts? Would you show us exactly what you have for us this morning and would you do that surgery on our hard and sinful hearts to, to give us a new life, a new, a fresh heart with, with one that has a purpose we know, God, that they, and we see in your word that you save people, yes and amen, but you save them unto a purpose. So would you show us that, God? And in that, would you show us our motivation? Would you show us our reward in Jesus Christ? In all of it, we, we lift up the name of Christ. We lift up your word, and we submit ourselves to it and say, all right, God, you show up on our behalf. So we thank you and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was a kid, I would hear people on TV talk about the, the 30,000 foot view. Um, I don't know what TV shows I was watching, but I remember hearing people talk about it. It's like business stuff. Um, but so they're obviously talking about business stuff and like, oh, you gotta have the 30,000 foot view. But in my head, I was like airplane. Like, that's how the, you, you get the 30,000-foot view. Otherwise, you don't have it. Um, and, like, it was just, like, the coolest little thought for me to think about as a little kid because I was like, I've never seen what, like, I would love climbing up to trees and looking down at our house. But that's not very much fun. Um, so uh, it was just, like, a really cool thought for me to think about. Um, so when I got to go on an airplane for the very first time, I didn't tell anyone that I was with because I didn't want to look weird. Uh, but I was so excited. I was like, man, I'm going to finally get to see this 30,000-foot view for myself. So I made sure I took, you know, for me to grab a window seat, um, and I was just so ready. I was like, this is it. I'm going to get to see this thing that all these people have been talking about, and I've never seen it before. And we had turbulence the whole way there, and I never got to see anything <laughs> but the clouds outside. Um, so that was kind of sad for me. But so what we just read and what we just saw is that God gave us a 30,000-foot view of his word. What happened in this, uh, in this thing is just very simply, Laban was saved. Laban was brought into the covenantal family of God. And so we see just this huge chunk of scripture that, that kind of draws this out and shows um, just a, a bunch of different ways of how this happens. Um, but it's just a 30,000-foot view of his salvation and, and of how God works that out. Um, and it's one of the most amazing acts of Scripture. God sovereignly works through Jacob to save Laban. So our question becomes, why? Like, why would God save an undeserving human like Laban, like Jacob in the first place? Two reasons that are very important for our passage and just for our understanding of the passage is that God saves for his glory and God saves for the sake of other unbelievers being saved. 
God saves for his glory and God saves for the sake of other unbelievers being saved. Everything that God has ever done, that he's doing right now, and that he will ever do is all about his glory first and foremost. It's all going to be about how can, how can this story, how can everything that's happening right now glorify me the most? But then secondly, uh, what's the most glorifying act known to man to lay down his life for his friends? This is what Jesus did, and we see, it, uh, we see in that a picture of the new life and new purpose that God has called us to. We're to lay down our life for our friends. We see God showing up to Jacob and then his son, his, uh, his family, through whom the lineage, like if you follow the lineage, um, starting with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all the way down, you'll see Christ. You'll see the Messiah, the Savior. Um, and then he goes to Jacob and says, listen, listen, Go back to your homeland. Go back to the land that I had called your grandfather to originally and your father. Like, I'm going to give you back this land. This is for a purpose. Go here. Um, and this is just a, a, like it's supposed to show us the original call from Genesis 12 where God says, uh, go and I will bless you so that, like there's, there's the purpose. I'm gonna bless you so that you will be a blessing to all the families of the earth for the sake of the one day believers. And so Jacob goes, um, and he begins this going. The process kind of toward the end of what we read was he makes a covenant with Jacob. Laban makes a covenant with him, and this covenantal promise binds the two together as family, which is to say Laban, in that moment, God's, he joins God's family. So we're to understand that here, Laban was brought into the family of faith by God's grace through God's work in Jacob, and not only Laban, but the people that Jacob is going to go to in that land that he's going to be in one day, even Laban's family. Um, but then if you think about just the, the, the lineage of Abraham, the lineage of Isaac, the lineage of Jacob, there are thousands of people that are impacted, millions of people that are impacted by one man's decision to go. By God calling this one man to go, we see millions of people in the family. Because Jacob listens to the call of God, human beings are in the kingdom of God for eternity. And so we see there just the twofold mission of God. God saves, that, God saves Jacob that Jacob may bring others into the kingdom. And that is the most glorifying act known to man, known to, like, for God to, to do that, to glorify himself, because they don't deserve it. Sinners do not deserve to be saved. So what, you're not, what you and I are going to see is the 30,000-foot view of this call of God's saving grace and of how God works in the life of believers to bring new believers into the kingdom. On the surface, this is just like an, an argument between Laban and Jacob, and like they've been doing this for years now. Um, but it goes deeper than that. This is God's sovereign work to save, and we see it actually in four different ways. The first is God blesses. God allows God sees and God saves. God blesses, God allows, God sees, and God saves. So let's just look at the first one, God blesses. If you look at uh, verse 27 in chapter 30. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. And then if you skip down to verse 29, Jacob said to him, You yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. 
So there's a blessing that God gives to those outside the kingdom through you and I as believers. Remember the original call for Abraham, like as he's um, currently worshiping the moon gods as a 75-year-old man, God shows up to him in his life and says, uh, I'm going to make you a blessing so that you will be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And this is God's purpose. This is God's call for his redeemed people. He's bringing them in, not just to bring them in, but for a purpose, to show them like, all right, now, now that you're in, let's go get some more. So then our question becomes, how? How does that work? Uh, one way that we see it just in, in our passage is uh, that Jacob just works at his job. So we see that work is not just something that we do for a paycheck. It's not just the nine to five and then we go home. God has given us our jobs for our work, for us to work with a purpose. And that purpose is people. The people that we're working for, the people that we're working with, we work for the call of God to go and bless the nations. Do you view your job this way? Do you lace up your boots in the morning with this view in mind? with the thought of, man, I'm, I'm going to go to work for the sake of others. God, in saving us, saves us unto this bigger calling and purpose, and that purpose is other people. So God blesses those around us, uh, and then secondly, God allows every circumstance. This is point two. God allows. Uh, if you look at verse six in chapter 31, you know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages Ten times, but God did not permit him to harm me. So we see two truths here. The first is that God did not permit or allow Laban to hurt Jacob. So this means that God was sovereignly working in, in Laban's heart as well as in Jacob's uh, to keep him from raising any sort of finger or a fist or anything like that to hurt Jacob. But the other truth we see is that God did allow Jacob to be cheated. <laughs> This means that God allows whatever circumstances, God permits and allows everything to happen that is going to happen for, like God is the one who permits it, God is the one who allows it to happen. God is sovereign, God is fully in control of everything, which means that everything that God does allow and permit must be for our good and his glory. If we think about the twofold mission of God, for his glory first and foremost, and then for the sake of those people that are going to be in the kingdom one day, then it makes total sense. God would allow the things that happen to us for a reason, so for his glory, because in those moments when we have nothing else to cry out to, we cry out to God, say, God, help me, which is a glorifying act in and of itself, but then we see in that just a picture of, man, I'm going to cry out to God, and then once I have, once I remember that God has saved me, then I can go to my friends, then I can go to my co-workers, uh, the death of a spouse, the news from the doctor, whatever suffering and affliction that you and I find ourselves in the midst of, we can rest our heads on the truth that God has permitted it and God has allowed it to happen for our good and his glory. Second Timothy 2, verse 8 says, So I endure all things, good, bad, difficult for the sake of those chosen by God, that they too may obtain salvation in Christ Jesus and its eternal glory. Everything that God permits, everything that God allows us to, to go through, to walk through, is yes, to, to glorify God and, and for us to, 
to be sanctified, but then it's also for the sake of other people. You have your story. You have the things that you go through in your life for a specific purpose and a specific reason, and it's so, I don't know what it is. Maybe you don't know what it is. But God has allowed it to happen. God has permitted it to happen for the sake of other people. So then the question is, do you view your suffering this way? Do you rest in the midst of suffering knowing that you have a loving and sovereign God who's in control? God in saving us saves us unto this bigger calling and purpose and that purpose is other people. So God's gonna allow good and bad things to come to us for the purpose of people. God blesses those around us. God allows every circumstances. And then the third thing is that God sees this is point three. If you look at verse 12, and he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. In whatever God brings us to, in whatever God allows, whatever God permits, God is going to provide for whatever it is that we miss out on. God allowed Jacob to be cheated, and then he showed Jacob, like, look, Jacob, lift up your eyes. I saw all of the stuff that he was doing to you. I saw every time he cheated you. The, the thing that, you know, it was an idea for him, I saw it happen. I'm going to take care of the things that you need and then some. Do not try to worry about trying to cheat him back. And, and we see what Jacob did. He tried to cheat him back. He's like, well, I'm going to make my own uh, goats and, and sheep so that I can have my own stuff. They're going to be even stronger. But God's like, no, don't do that. I'm going to make sure that you have everything that you need. Proverbs 15 Verse three says this. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. So this means that every injustice, every uh, corruption, God, is going to, God sees it and God will judge it. And this means that every good deed and godly attempt to, to treat a person with kindness or, um, or anything like that, that not a single person sees. If you've served in Mission Kids for four years now and nobody has said thank you, first of all, I'm sorry, but secondly, God sees it. If you go unnoticed, you're not actually going unnoticed. God sees it. And not only that, God sees and he's going to reward you in heaven. Why is this important for us to see? So that we will not be bogged down by any bad thing that's happening to us. So that we will be motivated to share the gospel even though there might not be any reward at all. Even though it might be taking away some of our reward. Even though it might feel like a sacrifice. There's going to be a reward one day. God in saving us saves us unto a bigger calling and purpose and that purpose is other people. So God's going to allow all things good and bad to happen to us for the purpose of people. God blesses those around us. God uh, takes care of every circumstance. Uh, he sees all things evil and good and will take care of them both. And then the fourth thing we see is that God saves. If you look at verse 44. Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I. This is Laban talking to Jacob. Uh, and what just happened is that Laban said, hey, I, I see how God has blessed you. I see, like I've tried to cheat you multiple times. You just keep flourishing. You just keep prospering. I want to be a part of this family. Will you make a covenant with me? And so we know this didn't just happen. Like this has been 20 years of God working on this man's heart, little by little through, the, um, through Jacob, through his family. Uh, but this, this covenant is the key to the whole passage. 
This is the act of bringing Laban into the covenantal family. This is the outer proclamation of the work that God has done on the inside. This is God saving a sinner in Laban. How does it happen? Through Jacob. Do you see God's command and purpose for your life? Do you care? Right now, there are 2.2 billion humans just like you and I who do not know this type of love. Who are not part of a family like this. And they are headed to a massive destruction. Do you care? Hudson Taylor, he was a missionary to China. He was uh, just so bothered by big churches. So I don't think he'd be bothered with us necessarily. Um, but he, he wrote this. He said, I cannot stand to hear thousands of people singing praises to God together when there are so many millions of Chinese men and women who have never heard his name. Would that God make, so, make hell so real to the church that none of us can rest? Lottie Moon, she was a tiny little woman, weighed 100 pounds, and she gave over 30 years of her life to the same people in China. And when China, the whole country, was going through a drought, she would write to pastors all across the globe and say, uh, she would say, won't you please give something to your brothers and sisters in Christ in China who are starving? Lottie Moon, she gave everything she had, and she died of starvation. The doctor said she weighed 50 pounds at her death. My question to you is, are you this devoted to emptying yourself for the purpose of the mission of God? What do you care the most about? If you were to just think about all the times that you've cried, that you've been in anguish over the past few years, how many times of those is it for the sake of the unbelievers and their, and their fate? Paul writes, and he says, I'm in anguish every day. Have you ever been in anguish over lost people? My fear is that we'll view the people of the world as like, oh yeah, I know, I know that they're out there. My fear is that we'll view the people of the world as a concept and not as human beings. My fear is that when we hear of lost people, we do not think of them being exactly like us that they cry like us, that they have real fears like us, that they know what it's like to be alone. And it would be every bit the tragedy if they spent eternity apart from God, just like it would be for you and I. My fear is that we as a church and as a culture will always be predisposed to focus on us and our ministries. And so when we come together on a Sunday morning, it's really for the purpose to make ourselves feel good. But it's all pointless if we miss the call and purpose that God has placed on our lives as believers to bless those around us with the saving faith of God Almighty. This is the 20th time we see this very point come up in Genesis alone. Just not even thinking about the whole rest of the Bible. This is not just another social justice issue. It's not just a ministry. It's not just a, um, a thing. Local and global missions and evangelism uh, is a God-given, biblically-mandated, purposeful call for each and every one of us who bear the name of Christ. And we are either deeply involved in this mission of God to reach the 2.2 billion people across the street, across the town, across the city, across the globe, 
with this gospel that they currently know nothing about. We are either deeply involved in that or we are disobedient. Do you care? 1 Corinthians 9, Paul writes and says, Woe to me, bad things to me if I do not preach the gospel. What then is my reward? I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. What's the blessing? What's the reward? It's Jesus Christ. In Christ, we see, the exult, we, we see the ultimate example of this kind of life, of the four things that we just talked about. Uh, the, the first thing, through Jesus, God blessed those around us with Jesus, and there's not a believer in the room that was not shown Christ by another human being. It was either preached, it was either taught, it was either shown, but it didn't happen just through some, some it did not happen through not a person talking to you. Second thing, God allowed the wicked uh, to tear down the righteous, which is Jesus. God allowed Jesus to be slapped and punched and his beard hairs to be pulled out and then ultimately killed. Why? That you and I might see the kingdom. That he would suffer so that we would not suffer. Third, God saw, God looked down on the course of human history and he's like, they're not going to save themselves. And so he comes down to us in the form of a man Jesus Christ, and he laid down his life for his friends. And then fourthly, God saves. God in Jesus will one day bring the believing humans to full redemption and perfection, and that's going to be an amazing day. Big picture, 30,000 feet, we see God saving us in this way. And so big picture, 30,000 feet, we see our purpose. And we see it in Christ himself. Jesus Christ went. Jesus Christ laid down his life that we may share in the blessings of righteousness. That is why we have been saved. And that's the, the message. This message of joy and hope is what we bring to the nations. Verse 3 of chapter 31 actually clues us into our motivation of why we go says, then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. Why do we go? Why do we step across the street? Why do we make friends with that person that nobody really talks to or that everybody talks to? Why do we have this purpose and this call in our lives? Because Jesus came for us. How is it that we can go? Because Jesus is with us. He not only came, he said, no, I'm going to be with you until the end of the age. In response to the truth of this gospel, uh, we're going to take communion together. And as we do, like, let these words be the words that we remember. I will be with you. And so as we go, as we walk across the street, as we go to our jobs, as we lace up our boots for work, we know deep down as believers in the room that we have this purpose and we have this call from God and we see it all throughout the scriptures. And every time, our motivation is Jesus Christ. We don't go for the sake of going. We don't go because it's like, oh, God's watching. We go because Christ came for us.
if you're not a uh, believer or if you're in unrepentant sin, I ask that you would just remain in your seat during this time. Uh, the Bible actually says that you would eat and drink in an unworthy manner. But if you're here this morning, do not let the truth of this gospel miss you. God sent Jesus to save you. If you're in unrepentant sin, repent during this time. Turn back to the Jesus who came to you that you may focus less on your sin, less on yourself, less on making yourself feel good, and more on the mission of God yet again. And it's gonna be difficult. For all of us, it's gonna be really difficult. It took Jacob 20 years of having a relationship with Laban before any speaking, any uh, moment of that covenantal talk happened. And all along he was cheated. He had to serve seven years for the wife that he didn't even want. It's gonna be difficult. That's when we come back to the motivation of Jesus Christ. For all of us, uh, here is our prayer. Father, we admit and confess our need of this body and this blood to cover us. We ask that you would set our minds and passions on the mission you have called us to in Jesus' name. Why do we go? Because we have been sent for. Why do we go? Because we know what it's like to walk around this world aimlessly without a purpose, without a hope, without a joy in complete darkness. We know what that feels like, so we go. We've been called out of that darkness into marvelous light in Jesus Christ. So now we go. And for those of us in the room that are not yet believers and we are still in that dark place and we do not know of any hope yet, it's right here for you. Believe today. How does God do it? In Jesus Christ, he laid down his life for his friends. On the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which was spilled for you. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. God, we thank you for getting to partake in something like this. We get to see in picture form, in symbol form, what happened when you did give up your life for your friends. You looked down on human history and saw that, that we all needed hope, that we all needed something, otherwise we would be headed for utter destruction. And instead of sending us a scheme or a plan, you, you came yourself. And because of that, God, because of the truth of, of all that that entails and encompasses, God, would you help us to go? We want more people to know this same truth. We, we feel it ourselves. We know deep down just how amazing the gospel is. And we don't even know really all the things that it entails 
We want everyone to know this truth, God. Would you help us to go as a church, as people? In all of it, we thank you. We thank you for, just as we sang, for, for looking down on our helpless estate and stepping in to save us. We give you the praise in Christ. We lift up your name as imminent over all things, over us. Would you make yourself even more glorified to, today, right now, as we sing back to you? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.